thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 144 of the Real Life Runners podcast. So we know that to get anywhere in our life or our running, we need to take action. But oftentimes we can be confused at which actions are the correct to take. So today we're going to be talking about the idea that action can create clarity when done correctly. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. Okay, so I think that we could all probably agree that the world right now is in a large state of upheaval and a lot of confusion currently exists in our current state. Yeah, I think you've got some good words there. Upheaval is a good word mm-hmm. for it. It leads to a lot of, of uncertainty. Right. Like the, the upheaval that anytime there's a change. Mm-hmm. And it, there's a lot of changes this a, year. A lot of changes going on. <laughs> it makes people then kind of feel off about what they what they should do next because it a change creates that feeling of uncertainty and that creates the confusion inside of you and the fear of the unknown exactly the fear of the unknown and suddenly you're stuck with well, what what do I do next mm-hmm. and a lot of people will be like well just take a step just mm-hmm. do do an action and it'll be fine right and it sounds a lot easier than it it actually is. Oh, absolutely. And I think that it's true. You know, action does create clarity. By moving forward and by taking action, you can actually assess if you're moving in the right direction. Is, you know, that action, is that moving you towards the goal that you want to take? And this is going to apply to our running, our real life, everything that we're doing right now. And I know that in talking to a lot of people, I think that this is a very common feeling that people are having, this state of being frozen and unsure of what to do because races are canceled. So they're not sure what they should train for or what their training should even look like. So that's leading to decreased motivation and not wanting to even go out the door because they don't have a goal on the horizon. Or people that take it the other direction of like, well, I don't have a race, so I'm going to step up and do this thing, Mm -hmm. which is way beyond where they currently were. And now they're training for things that it's great. It's great to reach, but if you're reaching for something that's like a little beyond where you're used to, you got to make sure you have an appropriate timeline on that as well. Right. You can't just leap to the next thing. If you're at step one, you can't be suddenly say, all right, and now I'm going to try step 12. Right. Exactly. So between running and the world and working and our real life that we're dealing with right now, there is a lot of confusion and that can lead people to just not want to do anything. And I think that is a common feeling that a lot of people are having. They're like, I just don't know what to do, so I'm just not going to do anything. Which is tends to be rooted in the, the fear based off of perfection is whatever I do needs to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Like it needs to be exactly right. I need to make the best possible choice for the next move. And you don't need to make the perfect choice for your next step. You just need to make an intelligent choice for your next step. And that's, you know, that goes back to people thinking that there is a perfect training plan out there, that they need to choose the right plan or make the perfect plan or do the perfect workout to get them ready for that race. Right, which there just isn't. There's not a magic pill that you follow this training plan exactly. I mean, there are countless stories of professionals and weekend warriors alike that are like, I was nailing the plan for the last eight weeks and then they fall completely flat on on race day and the opposite that happens is they had the flu they took three weeks off right before uh right before the race day they really only were coming in off of a month and it turns out they felt extra fresh and ran phenomenally Right. So, I mean, you never know what's going to happen, but there are training plans out there that are better suited for some people versus the other, but that's not really what we're talking about today. Today, we're just talking about the idea of taking an action, okay? Because what are the actions that we should be taking? What can actions help us to do? And what are maybe some of the downfalls of taking action without having some sort of directions or purpose for those actions because we don't really want that either. Right. So we're trying to cover both sides of this, you know, the best parts of taking action, but also some of the pitfalls. And I mean, one of the the biggest starting points here is that action is on a big picture, like in general, action beats stagnation. Mm-hmm. Like it's better to do something than to just sit there frozen and panicked and end up not doing anything. Because 
the world's going to keep moving. So if you just stay in the same place, you're actually not even staying in the same place. You're falling behind. Mm -hmm. So you've got to take some steps. They might not be big steps. They might not be perfect steps, but you've got to take steps. You're going to keep moving forward. But so often we fear that we're going to end up doing something wrong. And so we just sit there and do nothing. Right. Because a lot of times that that fear will just basically lead us to feel paralyzed because a lot of times we have so many options. There really are an infinite number of options in a lot of situations that you can choose many things. It's not usually just one thing or the other. There's usually many choices or many, you know, gradients of the same choice that you can take. Yes. Many gradients. There, there really are infinite choices. People are like, Oh no, every choice is binary. Mm -hmm. There, there's shades of all these choices. Totally. And so that can lead us to feel very overwhelmed, right? Because there's a lot of things that we don't want to miss out on, right? Like if we make one choice, like we've talked about before in previous episodes, if you make one choice, if you say yes to something, you are saying no to something else. And we don't like saying no to things. We don't like that missing out feeling. It's the whole FOMO thing, the fear of missing out. So if I choose this thing, well, what if I'm wrong? What if, what if I was supposed to do the other thing? Or what if that other thing is more fun or more beneficial or would be better for me, but I'm going to choose this? And it's like this, I'm not sure what to do. And I mean, when you start, you say there are an infinite number of choices. That sounds like a positive mm. to say that, look at all of these options sitting there. So many things to choose from, but it's, it's the opposite really. Yeah. Not right? a lot of people like having that many choices. It's much easier when you just tell me what to do. Like I know there's people that just like, just tell me what to do. Okay. Or just give me two choices. You know, give me two choices, give me three choices and that's it. Like even three, like going from two choices to three choices, all of a sudden, like just makes people stop from taking, you know, I mean, okay. So I recently signed up for a wine club Excellent. and I was going through the sign up process and I, I filled out the little survey. Like there was like a quiz that you had to take that so that they could learn your wine preferences and, and give um, their recommendations on what they thought you liked. And then I got to the checkout page and I was ready to go and I put in my name and then it gave me a box that said, would you like to double your order for you know, double the price or whatever, but it was this special introductory price. And I was like, Oh, well, I mean, I don't know. Like, should I double my order? And I literally didn't continue putting my order in. Like I just left the page because I was like, I don't know if I want double the order. Like, I don't even know if I like these wines yet, you know? And so just them giving me another choice, it, it was so interesting for me to like see this in myself of what happened. Like I, I had already made the decision. I was going to sign up for the wine club. I was going to get this intro pack and see what I was going to do. And then all of a sudden they threw another decision at me and I'm like, oh, and I just froze. Yes. And, and I literally shut the page down. And I, I did end up going back and actually it was a good thing that I did that because then they emailed me with another $10 off code. Woohoo! Woohoo! So my inaction led to some some discounts, which was cool. Um, but it was just... That's not usually the case in life. <laughs> not usually, right. So, But it's, it's that fear of missing out, right? And that fear of missing out, I think, also leads to... Um, not not leads to, but it reveals the lack of trust that we often have in our own decisions. Like there are some people out there, I think, that can just make a decision and they're like, yep, that's it. That's it. I'm going to stick with it. And there are others that are constantly second guessing. Like I know I am naturally one of those people that second guesses my decisions, even on the stupidest things like ordering dinner at a restaurant. That's what I was just about to go with. Like, yeah. We have, we have a takeout menu in our drawer right. that is probably has options. They're numbered. This is why it's so overwhelming is because it literally has options like one through 374. Oh, the Japanese restaurant, the that's, sushi restaurant, That's right? too many options. Yeah, that's a lot. Like, I don't know what I'm going to eat off of this menu. And usually just opening it is enough for me to be like, ooh, let's try someplace else. Yeah. Ooh, maybe we should cook tonight. Yeah. Like, that's, that's the answer because the menu has too many options. Mm -hmm. And there was another place, like a, I don't know, juice place or one of those, like, they prep a bowl for you places mm -hmm. and you walked in and it's one thing if you go to a place like Chipotle, you've got like, would you like white or brown rice? Which one of these like four meat options would you place? Mm -hmm. But 
the way that this place had it, and they didn't have any more options, but they had essentially put them all up on a wall. Mm -hmm. So it made it look like there were 4,000 different bowls that you had to choose between. Yeah, it was so overwhelming. Even though it really was, make this simple choice, now this simple choice, now this simple choice. They had them all labeled, and it made it look like infinite options, and the answer was, whoa, we should eat someplace else. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, a lot of times it can lead you, especially when you have too many options, it can lead you to not trusting your own decision, right? And second guessing and and just totally not making a decision in some circumstances. But we have to remember that there truly is no wrong choice. There is truly no way that you can fail if you're looking at the big picture. Like maybe you didn't make the best choice this time around, but then you have to make that choice, make that action, and then learn from it before then moving forward. And that's part of the beauty of, that's what we mean when we say that action can create clarity or that action does create clarity. It's that, you know, once you decide on an action and then take it, it then lets you know what your next step should be. So maybe you moved in the right direction. If that step was in the right direction, then you can continue down that path. If you decide, nope, that wasn't the right way to do it, you could backtrack and make another choice. So whether or not that first action that you took felt correct to you or didn't feel so good to you, that's going to help provide guidance for where you need to go next. Right. And also simply by taking the action, now it brings your focus off of the choices. Mm -hmm. As long as you take action solidly, as long as you're a hundred percent in on the action, like once you've made your decision, you got to stick with it. Mm -hmm. And I know I drive you nuts, like on the occasions that we go out to eat where you're like, well, what what are you going to order? And I'm Mm -hmm. like, "Eh, I've got it down between these two things. And then every once in a while they come and ask my, my order and I pick option C that I'd never even told you about. Right. (laughs) You're like, where did that one come from? It's like, I don't know. Because often I want to try your food. So I am like, wait a second, I was going to get this other thing so that I could try one of those two options and now you just threw something else in me. Which is why I rarely choose option C on, on the, you know, quiet because it's nice to share the meals because after <laughs> you years... You learned. Yes, that's what I was going to say. After years of being married, I've learned that when you go out to dinner that you automatically share your food with the person that you're enjoying dinner with. <laughs> that that is part of the, the dining experience. That that's At least that's how I like to dine. Mm-hmm. And that, so which of you also feel this way for, you know, about going out to eat? Like when you... Go out with someone that you're close to, not obviously like random people, but you you share your meals. Yeah. It's part of it. I didn't realize that dessert got shared. Oh, yeah. Dessert always gets shared. And suddenly it was being shared without being offered. There was just an extra fork on my plate. (laughs) (laughs) And yet here we still are. But anyway, my point to that one was, is once you make a decision, you got to go with it. And I mean, it's, it's. This silly thing that we keep bringing up of like making a choice about what you're going to eat for dinner if you go out to to eat. But once you choose something, you can't then start looking around the restaurant. Like if you've made a choice, you ordered this, you have to be excited for what's going to show up on your plate. Mm -hmm. And then eat it and enjoy it or eat it and be like, hmm, maybe next time we come, I'll try something else. But you can't have the food hit your, hit the table in front of you and then look at the guy next to you and be like, ooh, I think that was the other thing I was going to order. While you're eating yours, staring at the meal across the room from you. Well, it's That's o- not helping. It's, it's automatically going to decrease your enjoyment of the meal. Yes. Because then you're there wondering if you made the wrong choice. Like, ooh, that, that one looks really, that one does look better, actually. And then you're, it's just, it doesn't matter how good the meal is that's right in front of you. You're not going to enjoy it as much. It might be still a very good meal, but you're, comparing still so when you choose that action you do have to commit to it okay so that's number one number two also keep in mind that action for the sake of action can also be a distraction so when feeling overwhelmed there are some people that kind of just freeze and stay paralyzed like we just talked about but other people might just immediately take some sort of action with zero forethought, right? Like they're it's just the other way to avoid it's overwhelm. The, it's the other way, right? You just pick it and just go with it for the sake of it without actually thinking about it. Right. It, you you have zero forethought. You feel uncomfortable. There's this level of like uncertainty and overwhelm, and you're like, I don't know. I'm gonna go with this. 
but there's no thought process beforehand. Like think a little bit before you go and make this step. Otherwise, you're just taking random actions and random actions don't usually lead to positive results. Yes, you're still going to get a lesson to learn. Like any action you take still comes with a lesson. Sometimes it says you did the right thing, the wrong thing, but it's it's nice to at least kind of take some of the information you've gathered from your history and be like, I think this is a good choice next. You know, if you've um, if you've done something before and you did not enjoy it at all, don't try and repeat the exact same action just for the sake of doing something. Right, but I, because I think that a lot of times that is what happens. You know, when we are confused or overwhelmed, we tend to revert back to something that we know. We need something that's familiar because when you're in a state of confusion and you know lack of clarity, you, you're trying to hold on to something and find something. And that can lead us to fall back into bad pattern, not bad, or bad but um, old ways of behaving, old habits that may or may not be helpful. And so just because it's comfortable and you know it doesn't mean that that's exactly what's right for you. Right. But it's, it's comfortable because it's an action and it's an action that you've done repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Like this is when, um, you know, you say bad habits. Like I, as I, I stand here kind of playing with my fingernails, I used to chew on my nails all the time. And in situations where I was nervous, I would do it even more because that's an action that I had gotten used to. Like that was an action, not a good action. It certainly was not benefiting me, but it was something that I did to kind of get me through feelings of uncertainty. Mm. It was still an action. It just wasn't a good one, but it still brought comfort level. So think about what you're doing. Actually realize when you are taking actions, because sometimes when you think you're just sitting there paralyzed, you're still doing something. I mean, even sitting there paralyzed, you've made a choice. You've made a choice to not take an action. Yeah. That isn't of itself a choice. It it's, is. it's usually not a great one, but it's it's a choice. So think about something But don't sit there thinking forever, pondering your myriad of choices. Think about it for a little bit and then go for it. Right. But we also have to be careful that we don't fall into the trap of just acting to avoid thinking or feeling like just saying, okay, this, I I don't, I don't want to think about it anymore. I'm just going to make it, make a choice and I'm just going to do this action. Like that can be a good thing. Like in some cases that can be, especially if you've just been overthinking it and thinking and thinking and thinking, but some people just choose something to avoid having to think or feel. Um, so in those cases it might not be productive. Right. So on a very specific running example, um, a lot of people, they look at a a training plan. They're like, all right, I know to be my best running, my best running self, I need to run. There should be some strength training. I've got some mobility, flexibility work made their strides and drills. And I got to make sure I'm eating correctly and sleeping. And it all just feels like too much. And so they pick the thing usually that is the easiest the one that they're the most familiar with. And for a lot of people, that means they just keep running. Mm -hmm. They skip all of the periphery, all of the stuff that in their head seems like extra things that is not just running, and they just stick with the running, and then they get upset that they're not making progress. Right, and because a lot of times those things are newer, right? Those are the things that they don't know as much about. So they're like, well, I'm just going to keep doing this because I know this. And so they just stick with what's familiar. They stick with just the habit, and they were like, okay, well, if I want to be a better runner, I'm just going to run more miles. I'm just going to keep increasing my mileage. I'm just going to keep pressing harder. And they don't know how to incorporate strength training or recovery or mobility or flexibility or all these other things that are extremely important to us as runners. So they just ignore them because they're, they don't know where to start, right? So it just all seems too overwhelming. So they just default to what's easiest or what they've done before. Even if it seems like you're making a step, like, okay, well, I used to be running three miles a day. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to run four miles a day and then I'll ramp it up to five miles a day. Look at me. I'm making progress, but you're still only running. You're still ignoring all of the other very vital aspects of a training plan. And all you're doing is ramping up mileage. And yes, you may see some benefits by increasing mileage. You probably will, but you're missing a lot of stuff and you're opening yourself up to injury by only focusing on one aspect of training plan. Uh, You know, to go back to the food idea, there's a whole wide variety of food. And as delicious as pizza is, I don't eat it seven days a week. Yeah. 
Same thing with running. Like I don't, well, I personally would love to actually run seven days a week, but <laughs> it's better for me to have a pullback day, sometimes a complete full-blown off day, sometimes a day where I don't run, but I just really focus on a strength day, a day where I get some variety put into my overall workout routine, a day where I need to pull back a little bit on the mileage so that I can make sure that I get the drills at the end of it, where I know that I'm trading off one part of my training plan for another part. Not that I'm just cutting it and saying I'm not doing this, but where I'm balancing and trying to incorporate all aspects simultaneously. Exactly. So we also have to be careful too that when we do take action that we're not just trying to check off the boxes on the to-do list without seeing the big picture. Because I think that a lot of times those things can really distract us from the other things that we need to do. Like, um, you know, you should be strength training or meal planning, you know, you should be exercising, but you know, there's so many dishes to do and there's the laundry. So I'm just going to do that. And then I'm going to tell myself that I don't have time to do those other things. When in reality, yes, you need to do the dishes. You need to do the laundry. Those are real things that you need to do, but there's also ways that you can prioritize and rearrange things. And if you actually organized your day a little bit better, you could find time for all of those things instead of just using those things as an excuse not to do the other things. Yeah, no, you have to do the dishes right now. Mm. There's no way I could possibly fit in an exercise right now because I have to do these dishes. Probably not. You probably could, in fact, do the dishes at a different time. You could, you know, get some assistance from the kids. It's summer. Mm-hmm. Enlist the kids. Yeah. Enroll the kids with some help. They don't Make have homework. Make them do chores, <laughs> you know. But, but when we do these things and just try to check all these boxes on our to-do list... It makes us feel productive and we look productive and we always tell everybody, oh, I'm so busy, right? Like how the busy badge, the busy badge, you know, it's a badge of honor. But so it makes us feel and and look productive, but we're not actually making progress to the things that actually matter to us. And and so then it really does leave us with this very empty feeling. Yeah, I want to I want to restate that line that you just said. It's not that we're not making progress to the things that matter, period. It's to the things that matter to us. And you have to really start with the picture of what really matters to you. And then make sure that you're taking actions towards that, not the dishes and the laundry. Because maybe on your list, on on your priorities is you'd like to have a clean house. Mm -hmm. Is that one? Because if that's not one, then you could probably get something done and leave the dishes for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, everybody, no one wants to be living in, in cluster and chaos, but um, clutter, clutter and chaos was the word I was going for there. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be done right this second. And so many of us try and hit these like menial tasks Mm -hmm. and then push off things that would in fact make us feel overall better and affect bigger things in our life. Right. Because like, I, I know I get sucked into this a lot of times, like, because I don't like seeing dirty dishes in the sink and I've had to learn in working from home that sometimes that's going to need to happen. Sometimes those dishes are going to need to be dirty for a while and they're going to have to stay in the sink because something else needs to take priority. So if the kids are on a Zoom call and occupied, then I should really leave the dishes and go sit at my desk and do some focused work where I can actually like sit down and get some things done like that require my full focus and attention because the dishes don't the dishes I can do like while there's noise in the house while the kids are running around like while they're playing on the Wii or watching a TV show like there are other things that um you know that I can do while other things are going on and then there's other things that I really need to devote my full attention and focus to like if I'm writing emails or a blog or you know producing something for real life runners like there are some things that I really just need to focus on so that I can get down everything that I need to in a very clear manner because if I can focus on something it's going to take me a lot less time to do it and to do it correctly than if I'm trying to multitask and trying to do things all at the same time like that one action is going to take a lot longer right I think this also connects to the whole idea of how much effort are you putting forth into your actions? Like, are you constantly picking actions that are requiring a huge amount of effort for you to accomplish them? And if you are, are you devoting the appropriate time to that? Like you just said, if you're trying to accomplish like important tasks for, for 
you know, while working at home, you need some quiet time for that. You need some ability to actually focus and then you can do some other tasks while there's distractions. But if every single task that you're trying to accomplish during the day is 100% all out, this is as hard as I can possibly push on this task, you need some recovery time during the day. You need some tasks you know, we just pointed out that there's some menial things that, you know, get the laundry done, get the dishes done, stuff like that. But that's also a downtime for your brain. Mm -hmm. You know, you need some recovery time. You need some physical recovery time. From a running perspective, you can't have hard workout one day, all out strength day, let's max out on all of my different lifts that I go through, and then I'll do a long run the next day, and the next day will be an easy run, but it's also strength and strides on that day. None of those are an easy day. You know, are you talking directly to me? No, <laughs> no, because you you fit an easy day in there, I and do. you also know, like, if you add a strength to a run day, you are able to adjust your strength to make it an easy strength session. Mm -hmm. To me, there's not really a thing known as an easy strength session. Yeah, yeah. I mean, strength is strength, but yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I love that you point out effort level there because I, I think this is a great time to point out our new five-day running challenge. Excellent. So... For those of us that are from, for those of you that might just be joining us and um, aren't familiar with who we are and what we do, we have a new five day running challenge coming up. Okay. And for those of you that do know us and are part of our tribe and maybe have participated in our previous challenges before, you can still benefit from this, okay? We keep improving it. We keep making it better. So we've revamped our five-day running challenge. And this week, it's actually starting next week, June 15th, 2020, we will be focusing a lot about effort-based training, okay? That's going to be our main focus of our challenge next week, teaching you why you're not getting the results that you want right now, how to incorporate effort-based training into your plan, what it is, you know, why what it, is. what it is, why you should be doing it, how you should incorporate it, what the different effort levels need to feel like for you, at what ratios you should be doing easy runs and hard runs and how it all fits together into a comprehensive plan. We're going to be going over all of that. So if you want to join us, sign up today, 5dayrunningchallenge.com. We start June 15th. We're going to be going live. We have a, a new challenge Facebook group set up so that we can go live in that every single day to coach you guys and guide you through all of these action steps. They're, they're simple action steps, okay? So don't think that it's going to be overwhelming. It's not. That is not what we're here for. We're here to help create clarity, okay? We're going to give you simple actions to help create clarity in your running and your training plan. Yeah, it's an easy menu. Here's your action item. You get to choose yes or no. Please choose yes. Right. Choose yes. Take the action item. Take the step forward. The good um, news is that you don't actually have to choose what action to do. We give that to you. Yeah, you literally just have to choose whether to do it or right. not. And mm -hmm. if, if you want to... Um, kind of go through this running challenge and say, hey, maybe my running needs a kickstart. Maybe I need to get off of this plateau. I need to get out of this injury cycle, whatever it is. This is a good um, a good five-day thing. My favorite part is that we get to go live every day. Oh, I love it. really the best part. I love interacting with everybody and like bringing a lot of new people in. It's, it's like already so exciting. We already have over 200 people signed up for it. So we're super excited to go through this with you guys. Um, so 5dayrunningchallenge.com. Please sign up. Please join us. It's going to be so much fun um, and we can't wait to guide you through this to help you to improve your running and really start to see how training by effort and understanding your effort levels can vastly improve your training and help you to get rid of injuries, help you to run longer without feeling just exhausted all the time, help you know when it's okay to push hard and when it's okay to pull back and when you should be pulling back. Okay, we're going to cover all of that next week starting June 15th, 5dayrunningchallenge.com. Okay, so moving on. Well, I was going to kind of bring that right back to where we are. Of the bring whole it idea right of, back to where we are. Of, of this... <laughs> How does effort level really pertain to the actions? A lot of people either choose the easiest actions in general. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, you know, there's going to be some times where you pick the hard action, the easy action, whatever it is. But a lot of people default one extreme or the other. That they always pick the easiest, most comfortable action, which tends to be reverting back and doing things that you've already done that you're more comfortable with. If you're trying to move the needle on your running, on your life, on anything, doing things the same way is not usually the best method of doing that. 
And then you get the people that go the other direction, the hustle crew of like, mm-hmm. I've got to go all out as, po- as hard as I possibly can from the moment I wake up until I crash in my bed. And then I will be unconscious for my three hours of sleep, wake me up, get me six shots of espresso, and I'm going again. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not, that's not sustainable either. Right. It's the no pain, no gain, I'll, I'll sleep when I'm dead crew. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Right. No, that's, that's not healthy. It's going to catch up to you. I will tell you that right now. I don't know when it will catch up to you, but it will catch up to you. And this is the thing that a lot of people don't understand. They think that overtraining is caused by, you know, running too many miles, which in some cases it can is. Can be, totally can. Right? But they fail to see the big picture and the lack of recovery and the lack of sleep. Like, you know, running injuries can be from running, but they can also be a result of everything else that's going on in your life. Which can also be a result of lack of rest and, mm-hmm. you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. I uh, I also, I took a couple naps a few years ago. One of them, I got staples in my head afterwards. So it's, uh, it's not necessarily the best thing to just push as hard as you possibly can until life really thrusts a stop sign in you in the, uh, in the form of multiple seizures coming at you. It's just, it's not the, the most comfortable of experiences. No, it's not. And, and unfortunately, that is that was a big stop sign that you had to um, encounter along the way. Those of you that might not be familiar with Kevin's story, that is one of the things that um, has really made us reevaluate everything and, and get us to the place that we are today, which was fan- which is fantastic. And where we are today is so much ahead of where we used to be. But yeah, you know, it's one of those things that if you keep pushing harder and harder and harder every single day, something's going to give. And hopefully it doesn't come in the form of a seizure for you guys, but it might come in the form of knee pain or Achilles pain or um, back pain or getting sick, you know, catching a cold. Over overly frustrated with the family around you. Yes. You know, we're increased all, stress. Increased stress. Yeah. Like we're all in our houses a lot more than than normal. And if you're just going all out as hard as you can, maybe you're just more exhausted than normal. And so that leads to shorter temper, yep. just less patience with the people around you. That's not a healthy situation also. Right. Exactly. So the effort level and the intensity of your actions also matter. And that brings us to our final point here. So you don't want to just take action for the sake of action because then that can become a distraction to your overall big picture and big goal. However, action also beats not taking action and just completely being stagnant in your life because action can help create clarity. So the key is action with thoughtful follow-up. That's really what you're looking for. You need to take an action, okay? You can't just stay frozen. Pick an action, take it, and then you have to think about it, right? Afterwards, after you take that action, you need to assess and see, okay, is this the the right direction that I want to go? Do I want to go a different direction? What should I do? How did this go? You know, was this a step towards what I want, my goal, you know, what, what I want my life to look like, what I want my running to look like? Or is this kind of sending me in the opposite direction. Right. And I mean, from a pure running and and exercise, like a physiological standpoint, after the action, you actually need that rest and recovery to improve. Mm -hmm. You need the, once you break the body down, it needs time to recover to grow back stronger. So from a, a mental perspective, once you take the action, you have to pause and evaluate it. It's like the muscle building back stronger. Your brain now is forming these connections and says, this action led to this result, what else do I want to do? I saw an example of uh, sort of the opposite of this off my run the other day. I'm running down the path and there's a squirrel in front of me. Squirrel! Yep. Yep, we just watched up. (laughs) Totally just watched up. Um, There's a squirrel in front of me and it sees me and it sort of like freezes on the sidewalk. And at first it takes like three quick steps left and then stops and three quick to the right and it was in the same spot. And I'm getting closer and closer Mm -hmm. to it and I'm like... I'm counting out my steps and I'm I'm really confident that if the squirrel doesn't move, I'm going to land on it with mm-hmm. one of these steps. And the squirrel just kept kind of like jumping slightly left and right, but it never actually went anywhere. And finally, I'm right in front of it and the squirrel bursts and it heads towards the street where there is moving traffic. Instead of seeing the issue up in front, pausing, evaluating what's going on, and then running up the tree right next to it, it just kept leaping in one direction, the other, the other, the other. It never paused. Mm -hmm. It never went, I'm going to go this direction. No, that was a poor choice. 
why don't I turn around and run up this tree? It simply said left, right, left, right, left, right. Just keep doing something. Right. I don't think that squirrels have the same amount of forethought that we have as humans. But I think that a lot of times humans can imitate squirrels in that way. Yes. Right? And, and I think it's funny that you say that because the other day Riley and I were running down the path and there was a squirrel in front of us and it just kept running straight straight yeah so we were like catching it you know like at, with every step like we continued running and it would it would run like three or four steps and then like pause and look back and we were still there and then it keep going straight and pause and it's like i'm i'm going forward but i'm not gaining any distance here like why these, are these people still yeah, coming this these people are still coming at me you know and then finally it did decide to turn and actually get off the path but it did kind of go left and right for a little bit there and then it finally turning and went off into the grass and it was fine. But I think that that's such, that's so, um, you know, you can relate that. That's such a good metaphor for the way that a lot of us do feel sometimes and how we do act. Like, should I do this? Should I do that? Like I'm going to do, and, and then you just do it partially. Like you never go all in, you never go fully in. So you're like, well, I'm just going to dip my toe in that for a little bit. Eh, no, that's okay. I don't want to do that. Let's go dip my toe in that one over there. And you don't actually make a choice, make that action. You like get close to making it and then you don't. And then you get close to making another one and then you don't. But if you don't actually take the action, then you can't ever assess whether or not that that action was moving you in the right direction. Right. So that's that's the big takeaway here is take an action. Make a bold choice that that's the action you're going to take and be committed to it. Go all in on it for enough time to get results out of it. Mm -hmm. Don't go all in for 30 seconds and then be like, nope, that didn't feel good. Like go in for enough time that you can decide whether that was the appropriate choice. And, you know, depending on what the action is, that could be a day, that could be a couple of weeks. Like you have to be fully committed to what that next step is and then pause and decide what your next one is. Don't just leap to the next one. Like there's there's that pause and evaluation. That's how science works, mm -hmm. you know? And so often I try and, and teach my, my freshman biology kids this. I'm like, you have to sort of make a guess as to what you think is going to happen. Then you test it. Mm -hmm. And then you decide whether that worked correctly. And, you know, one of the things that I really come at them in the first month, I'm like, scientists like really pure scientists hope that their guess was wrong because then they can learn from it mm -hmm. if they guessed right the first time there might be exceptions to the rule and they're going to have to keep testing this if they're wrong the first time they've definitively proved that that method didn't work and i get this every time the kids make their hypothesis at the beginning then we do the experiment and then i see them over there erasing their hypothesis and rewriting in the results to it as though they got it right the first time i'm like it doesn't matter whether you got it right the first time. It matters that you learned the lesson at the end of it. I used to do that. I'm not <laughs> going to lie. Because I don't like being wrong. Like, so I totally did that. Like, I mean, and obviously the further along in my education I went, then I stopped doing that because then you realize, but I don't like looking like I'm wrong. And that's that fear of perfection. That's why I refute the, the rule of my classes. You cannot do a lab report in pencil because then it gets erased. It's <laughs> not allowed. It must be in pen. And if you, if you, they're like, but if it's in pen and I make a mistake, like I just spell something wrong, what do I do? I said, you make one solid line through it so that I can see your mistake. And then you keep going. Like, Every mistake that's on the page, I literally need to be able to see. And that's a sign, oh, here's a little mistake I made. Here's a mistake I made. Here's a mistake I made. Because the mistakes are where you learn. That's the point of it. Like everything that you guys are doing for me is how you are going to learn and keep improving. And your first lab report might have lines all over it. And they do. Lots of lines all over them. <laughs> but they get better over the course of the year. The kids who try. The kids who are trying to like, oh, what if I type it? And they just keep deleting it and redoing it. They're still deleting as much at the end because they don't actually learn the lesson. They don't see the mistake. They pretend it never existed in the first place. Yeah, so I think that that's such an important point because I think a lot of us still fall into that camp. You know, a lot of us are just still so afraid to make a mistake. We don't want to say the wrong thing. We don't want to offend anyone. We don't want to do the wrong thing, whether or not it this is relating to our running, our real life, the world at large, you know, people that we are in contact with, our friends, our colleagues, 
colleagues. Like there's so many things. Like you don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want to do the wrong thing. And that's one of the things that I'm learning right now is that a lot of times staying silent, be not taking action, that's worse than taking action and it just not being perfect, you know, or, or tr- saying something, speaking out, even if it's not quite right. Like even if, because I, I always want people to think that I know what I'm talking about, that I've got a good head on my shoulders, that I'm smart and, and it can be very paralyzing, right? It's that fear of not being perfect and, and showing other people that I'm not perfect and that I am possibly a little insensitive or possibly a little ignorant when it comes to certain issues like that is very paralyzing for a lot of people myself included and so I am trying to get out of that comfort zone trying to just step out and be being okay with changing some of my views changing some of my perspectives like that's part of the other thing right like there's um politicians or public figures you know if they come out and make a statement and then they change their statement they're they're called a flip-flopper or they're they're inconsistent or they're they're not you know um not they don't have any integrity because now they're going back on what they said before and and they show you what they said five years ago and now they're showing you what they what they said now and they're like oh they're completely inconsistent but like as human beings and this is not a political statement about any person in, in in particular. So please don't read anything that I'm saying. Um, but you know, as people, we should continuously be learning and improving and trying to get better. And I know that there are opinions that I used to hold that I hold different opinions of those same issues now because I've learned more, I've read more, I understand more. So I'm going to change my opinion along the way. And and that I think can be scary for some of us. But that gets kind of gets to what is the goal? If the goal is improvement, whether self-improvement, whether physical running improvement, if the goal is to improve, then what you need to do to actually improve is keep taking in information. And making mistakes along the way. Right. So if you keep taking information, you make mistakes, you learn lessons, and you're like, oh, that was not a good choice. There's something bold about being able to say, I was wrong before, Mm -hmm. this is my new thought. And that doesn't mean that no one should believe you anymore. No one can trust you anymore because you changed your mind. But I think that that's what the media a lot of times shows us. Which is really dangerous. Regardless if it's public media, social media, whatever it is, they like to point out like, oh, well that person changed their mind. Like, it, it, That's a win. Right. It's usually a good thing. I mean, that they it's even happening mind. with like the health organizations now. You know, they're coming oh, out with. Don't get me started with, on that. We're not going to because, like I said, there's we're not doing anything political on this show. This is about <laughs> running and living a good life. Okay, um, and politics rarely has <laughs> an impact on that. Um, but anyway, it's you know they they come out with an organization or with a, um, a recommendation based on the current evidence that they have and new evidence is literally coming out daily so those recommendations can change and people then criticize them for that but in fact they should be changing right they, the more we learn the more we need to edit what we say right so you make the best evaluation with the information that you have at hand then you gain more information by taking action and then pausing and thinking about what you learned from that action and go (laughs) nope never mind about that or yes this was right and we're going to continue down this path and Mm -hmm. take another step and maybe the first step looked good the second step looked good the third step down that third path didn't work out correctly now you need to turn again like there's always the opportunity to learn another lesson and take a turn and it seems scary especially in this world where you post your opinion on on social media and people scroll through your feed and be like no 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 seven years ago dude said this like that's gonna be okay like it's a you're allowed to change your plan of attack you're allowed to have an opinion and then change your opinion when you take in new information that's okay or have new life experiences it's the yes, same that thing too. you know like there people can literally have life-changing experiences like we already 
talked about with Kevin's seizures. Like that was a life-changing experience for Kevin, for me, and for our family. And oh, I way- totally would have told you a different training plan before seizure than after mm-hmm. seizure. Yeah, like we completely revamped our entire way that we coach people. because, And it's not that the way that we were doing it before was wrong. It just wasn't as good as it is now because it was working so hard and, and doing so much harder work that was just unnecessary. Yes. Like you can you can achieve results and sometimes even better results by not working as hard, which is which seems crazy, especially in the American culture, right? It's like work hard, work hard, hustle, grind. Like no, like that a lot of times the hustle, the grind, working harder day after day after day just leads you to injury, sickness, health problems, burnout, and you know some people have to stop running because of it well, would or, you, or don't think running's even for them. Would you rather achieve a result with hard effort or easy effort if you can get to the same result over the same time frame? Mm-hmm. Like why choose the harder or path? effort. Yeah, but why choose the hardest path just because it's the hardest path? Like if, if it's the same time frame, if it's the same result, why pick the hard route just to say I did it harder than everybody else if you all got to the same place? Yeah. Unless the point was that you really said, no, 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 I wanted to take that route because the growth along the way, yes, I may have the same time result on a clock as somebody else, but my personal growth on that difficult path got me to a better place mentally. You know, maybe physically, sure, you got to the same result, but you had different mental growth. And so that was a positive for you. Someone else was dealing with other struggles in their life and they needed the easier mental approach and they wanted to get to a time on a clock. It's okay to get to the same place through different paths. It doesn't mean that one's better or worse than the other. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you want to learn a better way for you to train, again, 5dayrunningchallenge.com. All right. So that brings us to our runner of the week. Yes. All right. So runner of the week time. This week we get to highlight one of our newest members um, who has really just made such an amazing splash in the tribe and as part of our Real Life Runners Training Academy. And she um, has joined us in March and has been just crushing it since then. It's been so fun to get to know her and watch all the amazing accomplishments and like aha and realizations that she's had along the way yeah the excitement the experiments like she just brings such energy to to the whole academy to the whole experience yeah and so she recently just for fun decided to run a one mile time trial just to see what she was capable of which is awesome which is awesome and she just crushed it like she was thinking that she would maybe break eight and i told her you know i really want you thinking more like in the low sevens that's really where your mind should be based on like some of the workouts that we've seen from you and she just crushed it she ran like i think a 707 in her mile time trial which was awesome so Congratulations to our runner of the week, Charlie Weber Revels. Woohoo! <laughs> oh, I forgot the drum roll. Brrrm. Charlie! Yay! <laughs> so, congratulations, Charlie. Um, we absolutely love having you as a member of the Real Life Runners Tribe and the Real Life Runners Training Academy. And it's been so much fun for us to just see the amazing strides that you've already made in the last couple of months. And we're just so excited to continue to watch you and guide you along your running journey and and accomplish even more amazing things excellent so we reached out to her and she wrote us back with this which is is beautiful beautiful story here let me just say wow and thank you for the recognition i was never an athlete growing up as a young adult i enjoyed fitness mostly class style workouts like yoga kickboxing other things of that nature i found that the accountability of it kept me on track and consistent i never ran I didn't have any interest in it at all. I can't say I didn't like it because honestly, besides the occasional warm-up on a treadmill at the gym, I never even tried it. Fast forward, life happens, and with marriage and motherhood, I found it difficult to get myself geared up to go to the gym. I had friends that were runners, even my husband had run some races, but the serious thought of trying it myself didn't even enter my brain. That is, until my twin sister started running. (laughs) I wouldn't say we're competitive with each other, but she started talking about running, and it was a conversation I felt myself mystified by. I wanted to be able to talk with her more about it and have some common ground with her, so one morning I strapped on whatever sneakers I had and I hit the pavement of my neighborhood. I did a lot of walking, but I continued to try. I loved the simplicity of it. You mean all I have to do is put some sneakers on and go? Done. 
I ran my first 5K on my husband's birthday, which we just celebrated an anniversary of. So happy birthday, husband. And I fell in love with the camaraderie of the athletes there. So that means it was the anniversary of her first 5K yesterday, that's, too. That's exactly awesome. it. Um, I fell in love with the camaraderie. I played around with running in that way for years, mostly alone until I started running with my now best friend. She's definitely more experienced at running and training, having run a half marathons where I had not. She lives a few houses away and is a mom of littles as well. And so that began our 4.30 a.m. sessions. She became my coach and I adopted her method of run walk and looked to her for coaching plans. Five years and many races later, we are still running together and we were training for a 200-mile relay that was scheduled for this past spring. While training for that this winter, I started to realize that our running journeys were beginning to feel different. I was almost ashamed because I wanted more. I started listening to a few fitness podcasts to try to supplement my training. I knew it's not quite as simple as throwing on the sneakers and going like I believed. I found the Real Life Runners podcast right when the pandemic exploded and everything got canceled. It's like the cosmos sent me to it when I needed it the most. Angie and Kevin's continued positivity and counseling made me realize that I have been afraid to broaden my thinking and definitely have been subconsciously putting limits on myself. And those characteristics haven't just been in my running. I'm at a crossroads in my professional life and because of their teachings, I have expanded my thinking. We do hard things. I have run at least six half marathons. Why do I continue to be afraid to grow? I am a work in progress. We all are. As I take the steps to grow in my career, I know I have the tribe at my back and the tools from the academy necessary to achieve excellence, not just in running, but in life. I ran the fastest mile I never even believed was possible for myself last week. I am still able to embrace and adore running with my best friend, and she's my biggest cheerleader on the hard stuff I do. I cannot wait to see what else I can achieve. Thank you to the Real Life Runners tribe and to Angie and Kevin for their support and guidance. It's just, it's such a great story of like, I got into it. I wasn't even sure. I dabbled a little bit. I took a step. I got excited. I took another step. I mean, it relates so much to what we were talking about. And now, I mean, she's fully in and committed Mm -hmm. to her just continued growth. And I love how she points out about how it's opened up her horizons both in running and her life because that's really what we do here at Real Life Runners and that's really the connections that we hope all of you are gaining from our podcasts. Our podcasts are not just about running. Like, sure, there's a lot about running, but running directly applies to so many areas of our life. And like Charlie said, she is now committed to excellence, to striving for more, to seeing what she's capable of. And those are the things that running opens us up and allows us to see. And so striving for excellence, not just in running, but in all areas of your life is really the goal of all of this. So Thank you, Charlie, for sharing your experiences with us. It's been so much fun, and we just can't wait to, you know, see what else you, what other doors and barriers you continue to knock down along the way. It's going to be awesome. So if you want to get started on your path to excellence in both your running and your life, you can start out with our free five-day running challenge. You can sign up today at fivedayrunningchallenge.com. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, this has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 144. Now get out there and run your life.